0: Hello listeners and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene the Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Harris, and I'm here with Kristen Urema, PhD, CEO at Poseida Therapeutics. Poseida is a clinical stage biotech that leverages its proprietary non-viral gene engineering technologies to create cell and gene therapies. Kristen, welcome to Cell and Gene the Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Erin. It's it's great to be here. Good, good. All right, I want to jump right in. So we've me personally and and Jean have worked with Poseida for quite some time. And Poseida's Mark Gergen was a Selang- guest on Gene the podcast in 2022. And at the time, you know, among other things, he and I discussed why the company is moving from AAV delivery in favor of nanoparticle delivery. And so I encourage everyone to go back and to listen to that. It was a great episode. I want to talk to you about, you know, what's your focus for 2024?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Poseidon's focus in cell therapy is on a fully, purely allogeneic approach. Uh, The company actually started out working on autologous uh, CAR T cell therapies, but very rapidly pivoted to a fully allogeneic approach. And our technology is quite unique. So we're at a great point um, heading into 2024, because we now have three clinical stage programs. So it's it's a real portfolio. Uh two of those clinical stage programs are in um, hematological malignancies, and the, the third is in solid tumors. And so, you know, to be very honest, Erin, it's it's about executing. <laughs> it's about executing and advancing that pipeline in clinical development. Uh, and as as you appreciate in oncology. And in cell therapy, you know, there is the potential for you know studies to to move quite rapidly. Um, and then also that executional focus extends into our manufacturing arena as well. We have our own clinical manufacturing facility. We do all our own clinical manufacturing for all our own programs, and so you know we'll continue to put up put up batches and um, develop our. Process science and technology there too, so it's really kind of both sides of what you need for successful cell therapy. And you know, I'm I'm a people person. I think people are important. It's one of the things that drew me to Poseida. So you know, it's it's going to be really important to me that we that we you know make all that progress while maintaining the the really very special culture that Poseida has. You know, we have really passionate people who care deeply about patients who care deeply about science and new technology. And, you know, and it's a great place to be. We were recently um, named number two in the small employer category for the biospace 2024, great places to work. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, it's really, I think it's a great foundation to build upon and, and carry all of that forward.
0: Excellent. Well, and congratulations on the award for best places to work. Uh, That's a real, to your point, people are the most important part of what we're doing. So that's great. Um, So you mentioned Aloe and that's kind of where I wanna go next. Uh, From a cell therapy perspective, your clinical and preclinical candidates are designed as off the shelf treatments for for cancer. So I wanna dig a little bit more into the why behind that. And then if you could talk us through your pipeline. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so you know, at Poseida, like I said, we are really all team allo, and you know, if anything, we're on a, a mission to demonstrate um, what we really believe to be true, which is that allogeneic T cell therapies can be the equal or or better um, relative to autologous uh, T cell therapies. So, you know, why why do we think there's a need for for Aloe, why the focus on Aloe? you know, I'd be the f- first to admit Alo's been a little bit out of vogue lately as the autologous CAR-Ts have put up you know demonstrably excellent data. But you know, you really have to think about um, you know the the time when all these therapies are in the marketplace and what are customers really looking for? And how do we best meet their needs? And and I like to think about, you know, the healthcare system is complex. I like to think about patients, physicians, and payers, all as groups of customers who are very important. And to really meet the need um, of those groups for large numbers of patients, right? I mean, we believe that the day can and will come, that cell therapies should be used, you know, very, you know, relatively early in in the course of cancer treatment. Well, if you think about a disease like multiple myeloma in the second line, just in the U.S. and, you know, five largest countries in in Europe, you could be talking about 20,000 patients per year. You know, lymphoma is probably similar. So, you have to have a therapy. That can be delivered to meet the demand of of that number of patients. And you need to meet the patients where they are. That means you have to be able to, you know, distribute it to lots and lots of different centers. It has to be easy to use. It should be available on demand so that, you know, when the physician is having that conversation with the patient in front of them, he or she can say, I think I know what's the right choice for your, for your line of therapy here. You know, we can get you started on that in a day or a couple of days. Right. And it's, and it's easy. It doesn't involve an invasive procedure like aphoresis. It doesn't involve waiting time. And if we think about the payers as a customer group, and, and I, and I always do that payers are not adversaries. They're not, you know, they are another important customer group in the healthcare system. And you know, value um, for, in medicine it, it is increasingly important. It's always been important. That continues to be a focus. And it's just very expensive and will continue to be very expensive to produce autologous cell therapies, even if people make improvements in their capacity and in their manufacturing processes. You know, we believe that we have the ability even today to produce our therapies at a cost of, you know, $10,000 per dose or less. We can get 100 doses, you know, roughly from a single batch from a single patient donation. So, you know, we can offer the volume or, you know, someday should be able to offer the volume of product that really meets people's needs um, so that they can make that therapeutic choice in the moment. And, you know, that there's a lot of flexibility to, you know, to, to offer product at a reasonable cost that will enable patient access. And I just don't really see how autologous cell therapy is is ever going to be able to bring all of those factors together very easily. I just don't see it. Um, you know, it was very interesting at this year's ASCO. It was really the first time that I had heard the dialogue in, in cell therapy. And that's where we saw some of the very best, um, you know, autologous cell therapy come out in early lines, like, you know, second line In lymphoma, multiple myeloma for autologous cell therapies. But right after, in the scientific sessions, right after the data was presented, that would be followed by presentations from clinicians talking about their real world study, you know, experience at their site and the difficulties they were having in, you know, meeting the needs of their patients. Even at the volumes, you know, in, in very late-line disease where those therapies are approved today. So if you just if you think about those challenges and you play them forward to the day when you want to treat large groups of patients in relatively early line disease, you just need an altogether more scalable approach. So um, with regard to our pipeline, you know, Poseidon's unique. Approaches is is really quite unique. We are all about the T stem cell memory cell. So when we think about CAR T, you know, we would say CAR T is not CAR T, is not CAR T. So T cells, there's a whole spectrum of different um, degrees of differentiation of the T cell. And while the cells that actually kill the tumor are quite differentiated and kind of at one end of the spectrum, we've really chosen to focus on the most naive type uh, of, of T cells that, you know, that, that are, that exist, which are the naive and the T stem cell memory T cells. Well, <clears throat> those products that have, um, you know, stemness and particularly stem cell memory have really been shown to correlate the best with clinical responses. So they're the mm-hmm. kind of, of cell we believe that you want, but they're very difficult to work with. They're quite rare in, in the blood to begin with. They're difficult to um, to put genes into. They're difficult to gene edit. They're difficult to manufacture. And so Poseida has a completely different approach with technology where we don't use the viral vectors um, and viral technologies that most companies use. We use transposons and Uh, and a unique gene editing system that we've developed ourselves called Cas Clover. And those two things work together to insert genes into T stem cell memory cells and to preserve that stem cell memory phenotype all the way through our production and manufacturing process. So we end up with just a very, very different product. It's very, very rich in T stem cell memory cells and, and central memory cells, Um, and very unlike the other products. So we have three programs in the clinic. Our lead program with data at ASH uh, 2023 is a program called PBCMA Allo-1. It's a fully allogeneic uh, BCMA-directed CAR-T. Also in the heme space, we have PCD19, CD20 Allo-1. That's a first dual allo CAR-T. Uh, for B cell malignancies. And then in solid tumors, we have a program against a target called uh, MUC1C, Mucin1C, uh, another allogeneic CAR T, and all three of those are in phase one.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, that's actually what I want to talk about next. Um, With regards specifically to the FDA clearance for your IND on CD nineteen, CD twenty, allo one, um, mm-hmm. and that's the dual targeted allogeneic program that is expected to report initial data in twenty twenty four. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Good. Okay. Um, I was really hoping you could provide some updates that you can share on the progress, even just right now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, so just like you said, Aaron, we you know we cleared the IND recently, and we feel this is a very exciting program. It's it's the first. Fully allo dual CD nineteen CD twenty CAR T that that we know of, right? Um, and we're excited because it carries two full length cars. So that's one of the beauties of that you know unique transposon approach that I mentioned. We can put in you know a, a large number of genes. So it's 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 not a two tandem binders. It's not a mix of cells, you know, some carrying one car, some carrying another, both full-length cars are present in a single cell. And having a product that can target both of those um, antigens, we feel is very important because it's well known that antigen escape or loss of the CD19 antigen in particular is a real problem with um, the CAR-Ts that we have today. So this is a product that could potentially be used in patients that have either one or both of those antigens CD19 and CD20. So we've been activating sites. Uh, that's going extremely well. There's a lot of interest in the study. And our first patient dosing is, you know, is happening very early in 2024. So we should be on track for data in uh later in 2024, just like you said.
0: Oh, That's wonderful. We're looking forward to hearing uh, how wonderful it's doing when the time comes. So that's good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about more broadly, uh, kind of a sector at large discussion, if you will, about um, some of the biggest hurdles that the cell and gene therapy space faces when it comes to to the development of off-the-shelf therapies. And so one, I wanted to get your take on that like I said, some of those biggest challenges, what are they? And then how might 2024 see some real progress to mm-hmm. maybe addressing, maybe overcoming is, is, a, is a bit strong, but addressing those challenges?
1: Yeah, um, I love this question. So, you know, uh, it, like I said, you know, there there has been a kind of a, a recent skepticism about allogeneic cell therapy. You know, that wasn't originally the case. People were very hot on allo, we need allo for all the reasons that I mentioned. You know, and then and then the field kind of hit some speed bumps. Some of the early companies you know, working on allo, you know, faced some some challenges. Um and now, you know, there's there's been, I would say more of a pendulum shift back to auto. So in a way, I would say that One of the biggest hurdles, but also the biggest opportunity is just that no one has been successful yet in putting forth a batch of data from an allogeneic CAR-T program that really looks like it, you know, stacks up well against what the auto CAR-Ts can do, you know, or for that matter, you know, by specifics would be another category where you'd want to think about some comparisons. So, I, I, I do believe that, um, you know, we're approaching a tipping point, an inflection point around that, um, and, and I can talk about that, but but why, right? It, it begs the question, why? why? Why hasn't anybody been able to demonstrably crack this yet? And I think we at Poseidon would say that's because, you, you need an answer, not just for you know one aspect or a couple aspects of the problem. You really have to have an answer, a technology to do four key things. So first, you really have to start with the right cell type. And I talked already about the T stem cell memory cells, and that they can be very hard to work with. Um, the technologies that people have been using in the past that are that are viral based they don't have the capacity that we do with the transposon but they also have the effects of pushing the cells further down the differentiation path just by working you know just by working with the vector as you try to you know put genes in or or um you know, if you're gene editing um, things out, you, you have to activate the T cells that tends to differentiate them. So getting a high enough T stem cell memory product, uh, I think is, is the first challenge. But then you also have to have a way to put your, your CAR genes into that right cell type. You know, again, we really think a non-viral approach is the way to do it. And we know that our system piggyback prefers strongly, excuse me, prefers to, um, transfect genes into naive and, uh, and T stem cell memory cells. You also have to, it's allo. So you have to think about gene editing, right? So you need a system that can do that with high fidelity and while preserving the stemness. So we take out, um, the endogenous TCR. We also, uh, edit beta um, two microglobulin. So you need to be able to do that showing safety, right? Showing that you don't get graft versus host, but also host versus graft, right? So your gene editing has to be dialed in, in a way that you have enough of a window that your cells can get in and do what they're supposed to do, which is expand in the patient traffic to the right type of tissue where the tumor actually is, um, differentiate into the right type of cell, that effector killing cell type, and then, you know, actually raise the tumors. So getting that editing correct is, you know, is the third challenge. And then lastly, you have manufacturing. You have to be able to manufacture these, these um, allot cells at scale, which is also very challenging. We have a, a fourth, uh, our third proprietary technology that we call the booster molecule, which means we don't have to add any cytokines or additives, but if we use our booster molecule, we can really get the T cells to grow very well in culture without differentiating. We purify them, you know, um, and then they can be, you know, frozen and stored, ready in inventory to ship to, you know, the patient right now in, in our clinical trials. So, you really need the full package, um, you know, an answer for every one of those problems. And you know, it's it's hard to put together that that set of capabilities. Um, you know, there's some other other challenges as well. I could talk about the challenges all all day, but I do think that we are going to see um, companies start to deliver data, that shows that allergenate therapies can have um, efficacy profiles that are on par with autologous CAR-Ts and, you know, may in fact have the same or even better safety profiles relative to, to the autos. So I think it's an exciting time.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. So Back in August, uh, in 2023, um, there was a $25 million strategic investment from Astellas in Poseida. And I was hoping you could talk to us a little bit about how that investment has been able to help you move the needle on clinical data.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're very, um, very excited about that investment. And yes, so Astellas has uh has has invested in Poseida. They're keeping close watch on us. They have a board observer seat. Um, they have a right of, of first negotiation on our solid tumor program, the MUC1 program, um, for a period of time. And, you know, I, I think it's a great illustration. You know, we we have. I hope I've convinced you that we have a lot of technology and with all of that technology, we've got a lot of optionality, right? There's so many things that that we can do. And so being able to get investment from strategic um, companies, you know, strategic investors like large pharma companies, you know, is just fantastic because it enables us to fund things, you know, and continue to grow, even though the capital markets are incredibly challenging. And that's a, a model that we we love. Um, we've used it heavily. We will continue to do that. In fact, we really um, over the past few years have had uh, either investments or major partnerships with four big pharma companies. So, Novartis um, led the initial Series C financing for the company, and they're still a big uh, stakeholder. On the gene therapy side, we had uh, a big partnership with Takeda. Now, Takeda chose to just exit gene therapy. So those programs came back to us, but, you know, their support helped us advance them, and, you know, and that's very important. And now, you know, we will find the right next steps for those programs. And then probably our biggest partnership is actually with Roche, um, which is a very, very extensive partnership. So both the BCMA and the CD19, CD20 um, CAR-T programs are part of that collaboration. They are licensed to Roche. um, But the collaboration is bigger. It covers a number of hematological malignancies. So there are a couple other programs that they have an option on, and there's a very large research collaboration component too. So, you know, I I think these, these things are really, you know, beneficial. Um, You know, our our partners get to uh, watch us. Um, We benefit from the funding they learn a lot about what we're doing um, and also have, you know, ad- advice to give us, you know, a lot of disease area expertise, et cetera. So, you know, for us, it's, it's a fantastic model and, and we feel very fortunate to be in that position.
0: Good. Okay. Thanks for that ex- explanation. That's really helpful. Um, I asked this same question of Mark, excuse me, during my conversation with him in our episode uh like i said from 2022 and i thought it would be really great question to ask you to to get your perspective um you know since Poseida is a company that develops therapies across the board like we've discussed here today what has been your biggest takeaway to ensure or, or work toward scale up yeah yeah so
1: so manufacturing scale up is central Central to developing cell therapy and any company that is, you know, taking the mindset, well, we're going to double down on clinical development and kind of see what we get. And then we'll get around to manufacturing later. I think is, um, I, I believe that's a, a short sighted approach. So we've been very, very mindful and very planful to work on. A single platform type process. So all of our therapies are using the same platform type process, which as I said, you know, we're doing in our on our very own clinical manufacturing facility. So we're not using CDMO support either. And what that means is the learnings that we get, it's it's very easy to apply them and you know very rapidly across all of the programs. And then you have that elegance. Of getting something worked out that can be used broadly. So think about your INDs, for example. Right, we've had great success getting INDs cleared, you know, quite quickly and with little trouble. And a lot of that is our ability to reference, you know, what we have been doing in our in our uh, earlier programs, and to point out that it's, you know, it's it's entirely similar. Um, so I think that's that's really important, and that's kind of a how you do it. But beyond that, you know, I, I would come back to people again, right? So this is where the teamwork aspect and especially cross-functional, collaborative, high-performing, you know, agile style teams, all of that is, is just key. And that's, you know, we might usually think about that being between research analytical to process development and then maybe process development to, you know, larger scale manufacturing and quality um, and that's absolutely true. Those interfaces need to be, you know, very, very strong, um, you know, very collaborative and very tight. But I would say it's it, it extends beyond that. You know, it's it really takes the entire cross functional team. So, for example, you know, our clinical development and clinical operations people um, have been outstanding at providing the right physician and customer perspectives. Back to process development and, and manufacturing, so that we don't build some aspect of our process in now that would make for a more difficult customer experience when the therapy is actually commercialized. So you you really want to think end to end, and you've got to have people
0: that work well together to to do that. So, for sure, for sure. And thank you for that detailed explanation in it, and like you mentioned earlier at the top of our call that people are central to all of this in addition to the end-to-end functionality so makes perfect sense and thank you for the the detailed explanation like i said um all right well we are at the end of our formal discussion and so at the end of each episode i like to talk to my guests about who they are when they're not uh developing and manufacturing and commercializing life saving therapies. And so uh, my question for you is um, well, I guess first I'll I'll state that, you know, regarding, you know, New Year's resolutions as we kind of come into 2024. I'm not a big New Year's resolutions fan, um, but I, you know, I kind of believe in continuous self-improvement. And so I was wondering, you know, what are your intentions plans what have you for 2024 from uh you know it's kind of like personal fulfillment and and just fun yeah aspect. yeah absolutely well yeah so so i i would say i'm also not a big new year's
1: resolution person but you know i think well why new year's right so you know why should be anytime sure um so i, I guess you know for 2024 I, you know i joined Poseidon um you know, in, in this late spring of, of twenty twenty-three. And I I really, you know, don't know the San Diego area, you know, that well. It's it's an incredibly vibrant biotech community and really exciting to be a part of. You know, it's just a fun place and a and a fun, um, you know, exciting center of, of innovation for biotech. Um, but it's also just a really, really nice area. Um, yes, it is. you know, beautiful hills, ocean, you know, beaches, um, you know, and, and people with a really good, you know, kind of work hard, play hard, you know, sort of mentality. So I think for me and my family, one of the things that we really want to do in, in 2024 is, you know, get to know the area much better and, and really, you know, um, I, I love to, to cycle back and graduate school. I was, you know, I was actually on a cycling team, but it's LA is not the best place for that because there's too much traffic. Perfect. LA is, you know, w- where I have uh, been based, um, you know, in, in, at earlier roles in other companies. Um, so, you know, the ability to get out, do some of those outdoor sports. And I have two, two daughters, um, 13 and 11, and they are just crazy you know mad about animals and so you know places like the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park I'm sure you know are going to get heavy traffic from from our family so really looking forward to that
0: oh that's so exciting well i uh, i wish you well as you and your family get to know the San Diego area better. I'm on the East Coast. And uh, whenever there is an industry conference in the San Diego area, I'm so excited because I just love that area. I've only ever visited uh, professionally for conferences through the course of my career, and I absolutely love it. So uh, I'm I'm slightly envious that you get to uh, explore from a from a personal perspective, too. That's great. Well, if you're ever in San Diego, you know you should drop by and see us, Erin. Right? So. I absolutely will, and my children are exactly the same ages as yours, so literally to to the exact ages. So, um, so I'll bring them along too. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, listeners. Well, that's it for this episode featuring Poseidon's Kristen Urema. Kristen, thank you so much for your time today and for all the valuable information you've shared. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you and seeing what Poseidon is up to next all throughout 2024. Thanks so much, Aaron. It's been great to be here. Absolutely. And listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Visit com for all the content you need to perform your role even better. And we'll talk to you soon.